together. So grab your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew 5. And uh, we really want to introduce what is known as the Beatitudes. So let me just say, stick with me, okay? I've taken a lot of the technical stuff out for you, but uh, stick with me. Um, I think, I think uh, we, this will be very practical for us. So Matthew chapter 5, page 852 of your pew Bibles. And with that, if you will, stand with me out of reverence for God's holy word. The evangelist Matthew writes on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, verse 1. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. When he sat down, his disciples came to him. He opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecute the prophets who were before you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, as every time we gather, we ask for the same thing, that you would open our entire being, that we, we may receive, believe, and apply to the transforming work of the Spirit, your word. Lord, may we see the beauty of the gospel here, that we are blessed because we have your Son. May we not take that for granted, but live lives that are blessed. And Lord, as we begin 2023, let this be the year that we see you do incredible things in our lives, in our church, in our family, in our community, for your kingdom and your glory. May I decrease so that you can increase. In the name of your son, we pray. Amen. May you be seated. I want to bet that someone has to come along at some point in your life and they've asked you the definition of a word. Daddy, mama, what does this word mean? And you will say something like, well, I know what it means. I just can't define it for you. You ever done that? You have. I already know that, right? Right? You, 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 you've said that. You, and in many ways, you do know what that word means. After all, you've probably used it over the last week or so. You've put it in the sentence and the other person received that word and they seemingly understood what the word meant. No one said you were wrong in your use of that word. But when asked to give a definition of the term, you, 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 you stutter. You, you don't really know uh, what it is to say about it. Well, I think that's true not just in, in our everyday life, but especially true when it comes to our faith. I'm willing to bet that I could put a number of words up to you that, that if I were to ask you to define them, you would give me an answer like, well, I know what it means. I'm just having a hard time giving a clear day. Let, let, let's try some of this, all right? Let's start here. Grace. Grace. Grace, grace. God's grace. Grace that is greater than all of our sins. What does grace mean? Exactly. What about the word fellowship, right? We just said in time of announcements that starting next Sunday evening, we're going to have four weeks of every Sunday evening, we're going to have time of fellowship together. We're we'll going to have a fellowship meal by which we will fellowship with one another in our fellowship hall. And you define the word fellowship. And if you do so without the original Greek, you're doing it wrong. That's what my seminary professors convinced me of. 
How about the word anointed? <laughs> it's getting charismatic up in here, right? That's about as good as you and I can do, right? We read it in the Bible where Messiah means the one who, who's anointed, whatever that means, right? Uh, I mean, we, we don't use a lot of oil in this church, so is, is that all that's meant by, by anointed? I don't know. Moving on to the next word, right? How about hallelujah, <laughs> right? That's not even English. You didn't even know that wasn't English, did you, right? It's, it's, it's a Hebrew word. Uh, it means hallel, praise, Yah, Yahweh, the Lord. So there you go. I just defined it for you. It means praise the Lord, but, it's, but we use it all the time. We sing it all the time. How many of us actually know what it is that we are saying? What about the word redemption? And you know what it means. We sing it. We say it. I've been redeemed. But can you give a definition of it? What about the word holy? Holy. After all, the angels are up there, or the cherubim, I, I should be clear, uh, the seraphim are up there singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. What does that mean? A lot of scholars like to point out the root word of holy is separate, okay? But I don't think what the seraphim are saying is separate, separate, separate is the Lord God Almighty. I don't think that's, that's what they mean by that. So what do we mean by holy? What about the word faith or the word faithful? Right? Now, we, we, we can use these terms in, in, in common uh, language, yes, but in terms of biblical, what do we mean by, by, by these words? Well, we could list a, a thousand others, couldn't we? These are terms that we use all the time in, in our faith, in our church. We've probably used them already this morning in our time of Sunday school. But can I throw up one other word I'd like for us to explore in some detail today? The word bless. You know what that word means, don't you? You couldn't even begin to give me a definition of it. Nor could I. We use this all the time, especially in the South, right? If, if, if you're a Yankee and, and a Southerner says, bless your heart, let me just give you some, some inside uh, language here. That is probably not a compliment. Yankee kid, bless his heart, doesn't know what he's doing, Right? Right? I mean, they, they use the word bless the way Foghorn Leghorn says things, right? You know, any, I say, I say any man who, any boy who doesn't know anything about baseball is like, yeesh, right? That's what we mean by bless your heart. Now, it could be a good thing, right? Um, bless your heart, you, you, won, you, you won the game, whatever it is. But, but it could be a good thing. It could be a bad thing. It could be positive, negative, neutral. It could be because we can't think of anything else to say. So we say bless your heart or bless it or whatever it might be. We use this term all the time. But can we actually define what it means? After all, this is the word that dominates the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are peacemakers. Blessed are they who, who are persecuted, right? And so we, we see this and we think, oh yeah, I want that blessed life. No idea what it means. Let me throw up some other options here. You, you tell me what, what this means. Genesis 1.22, one of the first uses of the word blessed. God blessed them saying, be fruitful, multiply, fill the, fill the waters in the sea, let the birds multiply on the earth. Okay, what does that mean? How does God bless them? And when he does bless them, what does that really mean? It's in the context of childbearing, of course. All right, is that the only way that God blesses? Is that what we mean when we use the word? What about Genesis 12 with the, uh, uh, no, we'll come back to this. Uh, Genesis 12 and two, I will make you a great nation, speaking to Abraham. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Notice two different uses of the word bless. God blesses Abraham to be a blessing, whatever that means. 
Well, number six, when I was growing up in the church, our pastor quoted this passage every time we gathered. Speak to Aaron and his sons saying, you shall bless the people of Israel, whatever that means, right? So Aaron and his sons are going to bless Israel, whatever that involves. You shall say to them, the Lord bless you. So you're going to bless them that the Lord has blessed you, okay? The Lord will bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you, be gracious unto you. Let me give you one more. We'll look at it this evening. Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul. Right, we, we know the song, the 10,000 Reasons song by Matt Redman, who, who's inspired by this. We have a number of hymns in our hymn book inspired by this single uh, song. We'll look at it, Lord willing, this evening. What does it mean to bless the Lord? You ever thought about that? And so if we want to live the blessed life, it would be good if we knew what in the world we were talking about, isn't it? Now, our translations, of course, take this Greek word in Matthew 5 and Almost universally translate them blessed, although there's a few outliers. Many will come and say, well, the word means happy. So happy are the poor in spirit. Or we can go back to Psalm 103, happy the Lord, oh, my soul. Does it work? It could mean joyful or just joy. Okay, well, joyful are the morning. Or joy the Lord, oh, my soul. Just, 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 is, is that really what it means? Could mean to flourish. It, it, there's a number of words that we could use. Prosper even. But I want to suggest, if we want to understand what Jesus says here, we need to go back to, to the way the issue of blessing is laid out in the Old Testament. So I want to spend most of our time in the Old Testament. We'll, we'll come back here. There are, we'll look at a third, but for this point, we'll look at two ways the Bible uses the word bless. Okay? The first way the Bible uses bless is covenantal favor. Covenantal favor. This way describes blessing as a vertical relationship with the divine. It speaks of covenantal favor. It is used primarily uh, in the Old Testament with the narratives, particularly of of the first five books of of the Bible. That makes sense, right? Because it is there God blesses the patriarchs. We already looked at one, right? Genesis 2, 12, where God blessed Abraham. And that blessing is more more than just uh, uh, you're going to have a bunch of kids like in Genesis 1. It is rather that God has called him out chosen Abraham, that that he would be blessed by God. And through that blessing, that blessing is a result of a covenantal relationship with the divine. This This speaks of faith. Later on in chapter 17, that is renewed by which God will say, look up at the stars of the sky. I will bless you. You will be given land and lineage. And through that blessing, you will be a blessing. This speaks of faith. The only thing Abraham had to do to receive this covenantal favor, this vertical relationship, was to exercise faith. He believed that God would bless him. And so he moved his family from Ur to Haran to to, to the promised land as a sojourner, believing not that he would become blessed, but that by nature of his covenantal favor with God, he was blessed by God. You see, this is a vertical relationship regarding blessing. This is the story throughout the Bible. Israel, by nature of the relationship with the divine, was blessed. Not because they are righteous or good or perfect, but because they were loved by an eternal binding love. 
God chose them through Abraham. God redeemed them through Moses. God cleansed them through the priests. God established them through Joshua. God protected them through David. God prospered them through Solomon. God pursued them through the prophets. God saved them through Jesus. Now again, this is all a matter of faith. The only thing Israel had to do was to believe and to receive the blessing. And at all points, they were blessed. As God's chosen people, as a matter of grace, they were blessed. There's that word again. What does grace mean? We'll do that next sermon. This relationship was initiated, it was secured, and it was protected by God himself. Remember, again, that Abraham was not a good person before God called him. In fact, Abraham was as pagan as anyone else. If you look at the narrative, you get the Tower of Babel in Genesis 11. Genesis 11 ends with a a brief genealogy with Abraham. Ur is like next door to Babel, okay? I'm sure they were basketball rivals, okay? And, And so Abraham comes from near the Tower of Babel, yet God calls him out. Joshua mentions this. He says, look, your fathers weren't righteous. Abraham was an, was, was an idol-worshiping pagan like everybody else, but God blessed him. God called him out. God redeemed him. God saved him. God chose him. God blessed him. Blessing begins with a vertical relationship with our creator-redeemer. The first secret to living the blessed life, what we all want, must begin with faith. Apart from a vibrant relationship with our Creator Redeemer, we will at best be wandering in the dark. When people encounter Jesus, their lives are immediately changed. Their lives are blessed. This is what we mean when we see that the blind see, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised, and the demonized are liberated. When they get the relationship with the Savior right, they become blessed. So too, unless we rekindle our relationship with our Savior and live by faith, we will never enjoy God's blessings. We should note that in this context, faith is stronger than our circumstances when it comes to experiencing blessings. Can I prove this to you? You're in Matthew 5, right? Can we look at the last two verses, verses 11 and 12? Blessed are you when others revile you, persecute you, and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account, and you are canceled. That's the newer version. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great, for so they persecute the prophets who were before you. Now, now, if blessing merely means, hey, just good things are going to happen your way, I'm going to pass positive vibes your way. It's one of my favorite phrases we use today. Just don't blink people in the eyes when they say that, right? I have no idea what that means. Positive vibes, man, right? The hippies never went away. But, but if, 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 you, if, you try, if you try to convince people blessing means you're going to be wealthy, you're going to be happy, everything's going to go great, then what in the world do you do with this part of the Beatitudes? You are blessed when people hate you. You are blessed whenever people revile you, abuse you, harass you, chase you around, destroy your reputation. You are blessed. Why? Because you are already blessed regardless of circumstances. 
When Isaac, we saw Wednesday, was being, was being harassed by the Gerarites, right? He's going everywhere. He's trying to find a home. He's a sojourner like his father before him. And he's building wells. He's finding water. And everything seems to be going good. But, but the world seems to hate him. Isaac realizes by nature of his faith, he is already blessed. Far too many Christians believe the lie that unless God gives me goodies, he doesn't love me. The gospel says, by nature of your faith, you are already blessed. Who cares about your circumstances? Who cares about all those other details? Blessing, bless, begins with covenantal favor. The second uh, uh, way that blessing is used in the Bible, particularly the Old Testament that bleeds into the New, is through human flourishing. If the first use, and there's two Hebrew words that we're looking at, if the first Hebrew word describes a vertical covenantal favor, the second describes horizontal human experiences. The first is a matter of faith. You exercise faith, you live by faith, you are blessed by God. The second is, addresses issues of wisdom and virtue. Think about it. A man can be blessed by nature of his redemption in Christ. He can be cursed because he is an abject fool. You've met some of these people. I'll let you decide if they're in our congregation or not, right? But right, you, 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 can be, you can love Jesus. You can go to church. You can read your Bible. You can do all that sort of stuff. But because you refuse to grow in Christ, because you refuse to, to apply the principles of, 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 of Scripture... You make foolish decisions and you suffer the consequences. What we see here then are the benefits of godly wisdom and gospel virtue. The first is vertical. The other is horizontal. No wonder then that while the first word is used primarily in the narratives to tell Israel you are blessed despite all your mistakes and all your sin and your wickedness. God loves you with an eternal binding love. The second use of this word blessing is dominated in the Proverbs and the Psalms. Can I give you just, just a few examples? Will you turn with me to Psalm 1? Hang out there in Matthew 5. We'll, we'll, we'll return to it. But turn with me to Psalm 1. Psalm 1. Psalm 1 is the first psalm uh, uh, for a reason. I wish we had time to look at it. Maybe sometime in the future we will. But it lays out really the rest of the book of Psalms. Psalm 1, I want you to notice the first two verses uh, here. Blessed is the man. There's that word again. It sounds like a beatitude, doesn't it? Uh, do a study of blessed. You'll find beatitudes all over the Bible. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Now, now, now notice this. According to the psalmist, to live the blessed life is to be blessed by God through faith and to live a life consistent of that faith by pursuing godly wisdom and gospel virtue. Notice again, he he delights in the wisdom and the word of God, and he meditates on it day and nights. Now, in the Bible, what we see is that this aspect of blessing is both personal, that is that we experience the benefits of wisdom and virtue, we are blessed. It is also relational. It's not just that I am blessed, 
But as a result of godliness and righteousness and truth, I become a blessing to others and together we are blessed. Both the personal and the relational. Let me give you a few examples in the Bible. Psalm 34 of the personal. Oh, taste and see the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. Now notice the personal blessing that comes from God. So, so you have the vertical, right? I'm blessed of God by, by matter of faith, but I live a life of virtue and wisdom, and thus I experience the blessing that comes from that. Proverbs 3.13, blessed is the one, so it's personal, who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. If you want to be blessed, be wise. If you want to be cursed, be a fool. But it isn't just a personal flourishing. There's relational flourishing. Proverbs 14, he that despises his neighbor's sins, but he who has mercy on the poor, he is blessed. You see that. You see that. Virtue says you take care of the poor. You see people in need. You think not of yourself, but of others. The foolish man is the one who cares about his entitlements, what people said about him, how his feelings are hurt, what he feels like today, and, 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 and all that sort of stuff. The blessed man is the man who puts others ahead of himself. You see the poor man you serve. You see someone who's mourning, you cry with them. You serve, you do, you act, you live. Proverbs 27, the just man walks in his integrity. His children are the ones who are blessed. Isn't that what you want? Not just to live the blessed life, but that you leave behind a legacy of blessing that for generations they are blessed because of the life you lived. Notice the horizontal relationship of this. You see, when we have faith, that is, means that we are blessed. But then what we want to do is to live a life of blessing by which we become a blessing to others. Now, this should be common sense. Much of human suffering is, is human cause. Is that fair to say? A life lived apart from self-control, humility, patience, sacrificial love, selflessness, or faith is riddled with conflict, vice, and suffering. Let me tell you, when it comes to counseling, you could fix everyone's problems within, within a second. I just don't understand what's wrong with my marriage. We, we just scream and shout at each other all the time. Stop it. Fixed, right? I mean, you understand that's foolish living. To be driven by your anger and your entitlements and your pride, that's foolishness. You'll never flourish in life. You'll never prosper in life. You'll never find joy in life by pursuing vice, by pursuing foolishness. This should be common sense. Stay angry, refuse to forgive, complain constantly, and see where that ends up in your life. Won't be joy, won't be happiness, be misery. The wise enjoy a more fulfilling and happy life. Come back with me to Psalm 1. This is really the point that he makes here, isn't it? The first three verses, he speaks of the wise man, that is the blessed man, who flourishes because he delights not in himself, but in Christ. And so he meditates on the wisdom of the word of God day and night, verse two. Notice that he's compared to fruitful trees in verse three. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in the season. He is fruitful. He is prosperous. So too, you, you get the language of prosperity at the end of verse three. And all that he does, he prospers. This is why when scholars come to the word blessed, they say, well, we could translate it flourish. And in some ways that could be true. You could translate it prosper. And in some context that would be true. You could translate it joy and happy. But what the Bible means is something far greater than that. The man who is wise, blessed by God to be a blessing to others, he is prosperous. 
Contrast that starting in verse four. The wicked, they ain't like this. They're like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the day of judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Notice that, 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 that for, the, for the wise man, the blessed man, he is like a tree well-rooted near a stream. He will prosper. The wicked will just blow in the wind and he will perish. He has no foundation, no roots, nothing to produce. Now, come back with me to Matthew 5. I told you we'd come back. With all that said, let's see what Jesus, how he describes blessed here. Verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. It's amazing, isn't it? We all want the conclusion. We, we all want to be satisfied. We all want to receive mercy. We all want to see God. We all want to be called sons of God. Here it is. You want that. Wisdom and virtue. Wisdom and virtue. Be meek. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. Be merciful. Be pure. Pursue peace. And from that comes blessing. So if wisdom and virtue are the keys to human flourishing... Why is it that we spend so much time on careers, wealth, and self-help nonsense? Chances are, while you've been out shopping for someone else, and a little bit for yourself, if we're being honest, you've come across some of these self-help books. You and I could write a self-help book, right? It's going to say, think happy thoughts, say happy things, be around happy people, and stuff like that, right? They've all said the same thing for three generations. What's Jesus' answer to a blessed life? A humble faith. A, 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 a virtuous life driven by wisdom. And a courage that can withstand persecution. You won't read that self-help book. But it's right there in the text. Because bless means more than riches. Bless means more than mere happiness for a day. It speaks of covenant that comes about only by the blood of Jesus, rooted not in anything I have done, but who Christ is. I am blessed because I have Christ and that is enough. And blessing moves to having been blessed, I want to be a blessing to others. So I live a life of wisdom that is revealed only by the word of God. I live a life of virtue and righteousness and holiness in pursuit of his glory in my life and not my own. And as a result, we experience the blessing of God. We live a blessed life. If you invested in wisdom more than self-esteem, where would you be right now? If you and I invested in virtue more than temporary pleasure and mindless entertainment, where would we be Right now, we'd find the thing that we've been looking for all along. Well, shortly after sharing one of his parables, 
disciples came to Jesus to complain, which makes me feel good. Baptists have always been complaining. And they come to Jesus and say, Jesus, we, you know, we love your story, right? We do. We have no idea what it means, right? It's the story of the parable of the sower, Matthew 13. And so Jesus pulls them aside and he says that uh, the reason he didn't give an explanation is because there are many who will hear him, but they won't listen. There are many who will see him in the flesh. They won't perceive who he really is. But the disciples of Jesus, he tells us, are very different. They see and believe. They hear, they obey. In other words, Jesus says, they are blessed. Can I prove it to you? I didn't make this up. Matthew 13, 16. Blessed are your eyes, for they see. Blessed are your ears, for they hear. And what's the parable? The sower goes out to sow seed. Some will land on uh, the pavement. Some will land on rocky soil. Some will land on among thorns and thistles. Those who, who in their own way, they will see but not perceive. They will hear and not believe. But you, the disciple, let it land on the good ground. You want to live a blessed life? Here we are beginning a new year. Do you want 2023 to be a genuine blessing for you and the people you love? It begins with faith and a covenantal favor by God that you and I do not deserve. Brought about by the blood of Jesus. And it will move to a horizontal, a horizontal relationship by which we live lives of wisdom and virtue. Not for our good, but for his kingdom and the blessing of others. As we'll see tonight, how will we respond to that? We respond by blessing God. But you got to come out tonight for that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, as we go in this time of invitation, I ask that you would convict our hearts. Many of us, we have been pursuing many things in pursuit of blessing. But we've been looking in all the wrong places. Careers, education, reputation, power, influence, cultural applause, whatever it might be. And we wonder why it is we always seem to fall short. If we want to live the blessed life, let it begin with Jesus. Let our hearts be in pursuit of Jesus. Let us pursue his glory, his kingdom, his way. And then we will receive and live lives of blessing. Lord, I'm convinced that the Beatitudes are so vital to the Christian life, but we don't even know the very word that's at the foundation of it. So for those here today who have yet to embrace the gospel of Jesus. I ask that you would be so kind as to move their hearts, move them into covenantal favor, not based on what they have done or who they are or who their daddy is, but simply by a humble faith that they become like poor in spirit, meek in mourning. They come and they profess faith in Christ, savior of their souls. And so they become a blessed individual. I lift up those who maybe they have walked the aisle, they've gotten wet, they've done all the ritual, but that blessing seems to remain at the distance because they are still foolish. They have faith, but not the obedience. Would you move us to godly wisdom and gospel virtue, gospel holiness, that in the end results in the glory of God. Our neighbors are 
pleading to be blessed. They are striving for a blessing. They hunger for this. And here we are with the simple answer. Come by faith and live in wisdom and virtue. Would you move us in this time of invitation? And will 2023 be the year that we are blessed? And we know what that means. In the name of your glorious son, we pray. Amen.